It's good to see you tonight. Glad that you're here uh, as they're continuing to pass some of those out. If you don't have a paper, raise your hand, please. And you can tell right now I'm going to crack and I'm going to, uh, you can laugh at me. That's fine. My voice is kind of gone. So uh, I think I'm getting over it and then it comes back. So, uh, but I was excited about this series. So I'm going to try to sit. It's not happening, but I'm going to start off sitting anyway. Uh, a few announcements for you. Keep praying for the building program. Uh, we're about a month out. Lord willing, of finishing a punch list and getting that done. And uh, we have run into a couple more problems, which is a building program. That's fine. Just pray. I don't need to get into the details, but uh, just pray. We got to work some more things out and and go from there. And we're excited about it opening and uh, moving the kids down there. I know they're excited too. So just keep praying and giving, folks. Uh, New faith groups start this Sunday, and we are starting a a brand new one that we've never offered before here, and that's for new believers. If you have become a Christian in the last year or two and and, uh, you want to take a new believers class, it'll really help ground you quickly in the Word of God. Uh, So we encourage you to take that one. There's a lot more that are offered. You can go online. If you haven't already signed up for a faith group, 10 o'clock Sunday mornings, and uh, come and attend a faith group there. And then a community group meeting this February 16th, so a week from this Sunday. If we're, we're talking about a lot, you're going to hear a lot more about it Sunday morning. And uh, if you're not in a community group and you'd like to build some real healthy relationships in your life, uh, then we encourage you to, to come to that February 16th. It's at 530 in the, in the foyer out there. There's a meal provided, nursery provided. So just come check it out. You're not signing up if you show up, okay? Just come check it out. Uh, you'll get information and then uh, you can make a decision from there uh, and go from there. So community group meeting February 16th. Uh, the Pettis family is here. I don't know if they're in here. Yeah, hey, there's Scott and Marty right there. It's good to have them. Uh, Scott's come on staff as another one of our outreach pastors, so they're getting settled in. It's good to have them here. And then baptism's February 3rd. If you're interested or you need to take that important step, uh, February 3rd, you don't need to, Doug? 23rd. Sorry, what did I say? Thank you. I think you're nodding. No, mm-mm, not doing it. No. February 23rd, thank you for that, Sunday. If you need to do that or you know someone that needs to, get them with a staff member. We'd love to sit down and uh, talk to them about taking that very important spiritual step in their, their walk with Christ. All right, we're gonna talk, we've been talking Sunday mornings about living life on mission for Jesus. And we've looked at how a life on mission will involve with, with, will be involved in connecting with other people. And once you connect, you serve. And once you serve, then, then it goes to sharing. And that's what we talked about this past Sunday. It's a, it's a process that God has set up. You don't start sharing with somebody until you connect with them. You connect first, and then you see a need, or you start to serve, and then you just start to share. Well, we're, we're going to spend a couple more weeks at least on that on Sunday mornings. And the next two things we're going to cover uh, this Sunday morning, we're going to look at how uh, the next step in this life on mission is to, uh, to grow. We need to be growing in our relationship. And then the last week, we're going to look at praying. And so what I, what I felt like doing, I'm praying about these Wednesday nights, and, and Preacher did a great job in the series that he just preached. Uh, but uh, I really was burdened for this last one that we're going to really hit on on Sunday morning. But I really want to dig into it here on Wednesday nights for the next few weeks. And it's called Breaking Through, or we're going to really look at how to pray and look at our prayer life and examine our prayer life and, and see how we're doing. Because if, if you're like me, uh, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, uh, I thought I need to pray, but I didn't know how to pray. 
I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to do it. And so I, I listened in church, right? At that time, y'all remember the days we would call on someone to pray for the offering or we'd call on someone to dismiss the service. Y'all remember those days, right? And I would hear these prayers and I'm going, oh my gosh, I don't even know the language they're using or the words. I can't pray. And, and so when, when the preacher would, you know, you'd always tell, right? Because he'd go, it was time to end the service and he'd start looking around. And what was he looking for? Someone to call on and say, hey, Jared, just miss us in prayer, right? So I don't know about you, but I was always like this, right? No eye contact. I wasn't making eye contact uh, during that time. Sometimes prayer can be this foreign thing to us, or it can become very, very habitual and that it doesn't, it's not as effective as it maybe could be. So I want to emphasize this, how an important relationship uh, with God, which involves prayer, affects every other relationship in our life, right? God's not a piece of the pie. He should be the center. And prayer is part of that. Uh, in Ephesians chapter six, don't go there. That's not our text. In Ephesians chapter six, it talks about the spiritual warfare that we're in as believers. And uh, it, start, it tells us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And that's the Holy Spirit's power and our relationship and put on the whole armor of God that we can stand against the wiles of the devil, the strategies that he has to, to defeat us or to try to get us down and not live in for Christ, right? Not be on mission for God. And then it goes on, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But then it gets into the armor of God there. And, and, and at the end of that, verse 17 in chapter six, it tells us that we have a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's one weapon that we have in this spiritual battle. And then in verse 18, it says, that by all prayer and supplication we are to, and, and that's our other weapon is prayer. We have two weapons in this spiritual battle to, to win, and that is the word of God and prayer. And if you're like me, if you receive the weekly email, I made a confession in that email this week when it went out yesterday, and that is this. I struggle at times in my prayer life. Anybody else there with me? Yeah, we have some honest people. I appreciate it. I struggle at times. It seems like, and, and, and I, I, I'm an overcommitter at times. I overcommit. I get too many things on my plate. And it seems like the first thing to go is prayer. Anybody else there? Or I cut it short. I, I just, that's what happens. And so I want to really talk about and dig into prayer the next few Wednesday nights. Uh, we're going to use Daniel as our example tonight, so go ahead and turn there if you want to. It may take a while to find it. I had to do the books of the Bible in my head when I was going there. I preached a whole series on this on Sunday morning about a year and a half ago, and I'm just going, okay, and you're going through and going to Ezekiel, Daniel. Okay, it's after Ezekiel. Then I wasn't sure where Ezekiel was, so I had to go, you know, if you have the tabs, it makes it easy. Daniel chapter 9 tonight, uh, we're going to look at how to pray in a crisis, because the truth is this, every one of us is either going through a crisis, coming out of a crisis, or about to go in one. That's just life. Right? That's just life. Life is hard. Uh, these crises come in our lives. And it's very, very important that we as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as disciples, know how to effectively pray during those times. Now, I hope you're not going through one. But if, but if you're not, one's coming. So I, I handed those notes out tonight for this reason. I want you to take notes tonight. I'm asking you to. And then put it somewhere. Because when the crisis comes, you're going to go, man, where are those notes? Robbie preached on that Wednesday night to help me pray uh, better during this crisis. So I wanted you to, to have those notes. Six steps we're going to look at that Daniel modeled for us 
in a life of prayer, an effective life of prayer, uh, when a crisis came into his life. Uh, so the first step to having a powerful, effective prayer life during a crisis is this. You gotta let God speak to us what we need to do before we speak to him. Let God speak to us before we speak to him. Uh, this is called the listening step. All right, we listen to the voice of God. Now, how do we do that? Well, I want you to get this principle tonight, and I didn't put that in there. You can always turn that over and add more notes on the back. But there's a principle that we have to understand, and that is this. God always makes the first move in our life. God always makes the first move in our life. God's always the initiator of everything in our life, and we are the responders. God never expects us to make the first move. Uh, the Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. Right? The Bible says that we serve God because he first served us. The Bible says we give to God because he first gave to us. Everything we have in our lives is a gift from God. The air we breathe, the life we have, the mind, our brain, everything is a gift from God. So God always initiates and we always respond. And, and that's even true with prayer, folks. At least it should be. How well does a conversation go when it's all one-sided? That's not really the definition of a conversation, is it? That's a, a lecture or something like, you know. If, if one person does all the talking and another person does all the listening, you're not accomplishing much. And if our prayer life involves us going to God and talking to him and then immediately getting up and walking off, that's not much of a conversation. So to be effective, especially in the times of crisis, we have to understand this principle and that is this. We've got to let God speak to us before we speak to him. And the way that God generally speaks, you ready? And I say generally, it's through his word. It's through the written word of God. That's how he generally speaks to us. Prayer should not begin with us talking to God, but listening to God. But how do we listen? How does that happen? Well, you open up his written living word and you start reading and studying and God starts speaking. See, so many times we think prayer is just a time where we close the book and then we bow our head and close our eyes and talk to God. That's a form of prayer, but we can do better than that, I think. And so we have to understand that, that my Bible reading isn't over here and then my prayer life over here. They can be together and they should be together. It's more powerful when they're together. It's more effective when they're combined. Daniel understood this. I don't have time to get into the whole story here, chapter nine leading up to it, but, but just real quick, Daniel's at a point in his life. He's now served three different kings. Daniel has survived every administration. And no matter what the government was, no matter who was leading it, Daniel kept getting promoted. But he wants to go home. In Daniel chapter nine, he's 85 years old now. And, and in the book of Jeremiah, Daniel knew that the God had said Babylon, they would go there for 70 years in captivity and then they would be released and go back home. And Daniel wants to go home. He's 85. He's been there for 70 years. He wants to go home and die. That's what he wants to do. But in Daniel's mind, he's thinking, you know, as a people, as God's people, we're not any closer to God now, 70 years later than we were when we went in captivity. And he's struggling because he's thinking, God, I know you said this, but, but are you going to really send us home? And this is his crisis. So look at Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, 
who, were, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, I want you to, if you don't mind, in your Bible or I know in your app, it's hard. You could highlight in there. But I want you to circle a couple of phrases or highlight a couple of phrases from those, this text. First of all, understood the books. Okay, if you don't mind, I did it today as I was finishing this up and I underlined understood the books. And then the other phrase, specified by the word of the Lord. Two key phrases that I want us to get here. Daniel was a student of the word of God. Daniel studied the scriptures. Daniel knew the scriptures. You and I will never pray effectively until we study the scriptures, until we know the scriptures and continue to learn and get in the scriptures. We have to get in the book every single day. The more we study this book, the more we spend time in it, the more God's going to speak to us, the more effective our prayers are going to be, especially in a time of crisis. Because what happens? In a time of crisis, we tend to question God. We tend to, to get overwhelmed. We tend to, all these emotions flood in, whatever the crisis is. So our, our Bible reading goes and our prayer time goes many times. And so during the time of crisis, we need to be in the book, Daniel knew the scripture. See, we will not know what to pray. We really won't know how to pray. We really won't know how to be directed in our prayers during the time of crisis unless we're being directed by God. If we're not spending time in the word of God, then we, we tend to wing our prayers. You ever done that? <laughs> That's what we tend to do. They tend to be all over the place. Have you ever spent some time in prayer and got up and thought, what, I don't, I don't even know what all I just prayed for. You ever done that? I have. And, and that's what I'm saying by we just tend to wing it. And that can be a frustrating prayer life. And because it's frustrating, it, it discourages me from praying. Uh, let me show you this way. In John 15, 7, Jesus said this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now, what does he mean by words there? For us, what is he talking about? The word of God. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you read it, you study it, you know it. If they abide in you, if they dwell in you, right? If you know them, you're memorizing it. You will ask what you desire. That's prayer, right? We spent time in, Jesus said we're in, we're studying, we're abiding in his word, they're abiding in us. You will ask what you will and it shall be done for you. We have to be in God's word. We have to know God's word so God will speak to us and then get this, our will will now line up with his will and we will ask and for the right things and he answers. The problem is this, when, when our Bible study time is not strong, when we're not spending time in the word of God, when we're doing it by, you know, just out of because we're supposed to instead of that hungering and thirsting, when we when, when that's the attitude of the heart behind it, folks, then it affects our prayer life. So maybe we struggle in our prayer life because we're struggling with our time in the word of God. Now, does that make sense? Nod yes or no. I just want to make sure you're still with me so far. It's Wednesday night, I know. A lot of snow on the ground. Just want, I, I appreciate you being here tonight. I really do. I didn't know who would show up. It's like, oh, snow, not going to church. Glad you're here. So, <laughs> snow day from church. 
Let me ask you a personal question. You can answer out loud if you want. If you're not comfortable, don't. How much time do you really spend in the word of God? You want me to get that? So embarrassing. I know. I had to do it. How much time do you really spend in the word of God? Because how much time you spend in the word of God listening to God is so important when it comes to having a very effective prayer life, especially in the times of a crisis. Daniel's in a crisis. He wants to go home. He doesn't know if he's going to get to. And the first thing he does is he, he, just, he knows what the word of God says because he's been in the word of God. Do you read it? Do you memorize it? Are you meditating on it? The first step, how to pray in a crisis, to get in the word of God. And once we do that, we let God begin to speak to us. And step two is this. We need to focus our attention on God. Does anybody else have an attention problem? <laughs> Especially during prayer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do. And the second step is to focus our attention on God. Uh, in Daniel 9.3, look at verse 3. Daniel said, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplication. If you don't mind circling the phrase again, circle that phrase, set my face. He says, I set my face. I focused my attention towards the Lord God. Now, when you talk to someone, is it nice to have them looking at you when you're talking to them? Isn't it? I mean, it just is. We teach our kids, right? You look them in the eye when they talk to you. I mean, we, that's what we do. Uh, There's nothing worse than, than having a conversation with someone and they're not looking at you because you're thinking what? They're not listening. I remember my kids were little. They'd say, dad, watch, dad, 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 watch, dad, watch. And I'm doing something, right? And they're over here, dad, 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 watch me, dad, watch me, dad, dad, watch me, dad. And they come over and grab my face and turn it. Dad, watch me, <laughs> right? I mean, until I, they got that eye contact, I wasn't listening or watching. I wasn't paying attention. And it's so nice to have that eye-to-eye -eye contact. Now, do you know you can somewhat do this with God? You can turn, listen, when you pray, you can actually look up. Did you know that? Did you know that? You can pray like this, just as effectively as you can like this. I mean, you just can. You can turn your face. I can't see my notes. I looked in the lights, and I just did it again. You can turn your face to God. I'm not that smart, folks. Um, and physically, just look up to God during the prayer time. Just look to God. God, I'm here. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to pray. I'm ready to ask. I'm ready to hear. Just talk to God. You can walk, you know, you can walk outside and look up at the stars or look up at this blue sky or while you're walking. Or, you ever done that, trying to look up and walk and you just go crooked? You ever done that? Squirrel, Danny. Wow, that wasn't even where that. You can look up, talk to God, and, and communicate with Him. Listen to Him during during that time. Listen, you can, you can get in your lazy boy, and you can lean it all the way back and talk to God. That's okay. You can look up and talk to God. There's so many ways to do that. Now, listen, bowing your head and closing your eyes. That's fine if that works and that's what you want to do. But you can change it up too, right? There's nothing scripturally about that or script in there. So uh, we get this idea, this is this posture that I have to have. No, it's okay at times to have that posture, but it's also okay at other times to have a different posture, to, to focus our attention. I don't know about you, if I bow my head and close my eyes too long, you know what happens? Yeah, I go to sleep, 
That's what happens. And I think, I get frustrated. I'm like, gosh, I went to sleep on God again. You ever had that thought? Like, man, I was talking to him. I was trying to listen and I went to sleep. I feel bad when I wake up. That's hard to do when your eyes are open and you're looking up. Looking up. I mean, bad things are going to happen. You go to sleep like that. When I'm praying, you know it's okay to, <clears throat> to pray out loud? Y'all know that? It's okay to talk out loud to God by yourself. <laughs> and if somebody hears it and they think you're crazy, it's okay. You're just talking to God. That's okay, because I don't know about you, I, it's more effective for me to, to speak out loud when I pray. It keeps me focused on him, and it keeps me focused during my prayer time. When I tend to do it, try to do it all up here, man, my mind just goes 40 different places. But when I'm speaking, I can only go one place while I'm speaking. It's okay. Daniel says he set his face towards the Lord God. He gave God his undivided attention. You see, when, when we want to pray, we want to communicate, we want to listen to God. It's okay to, to look up, to take a walk when you're driving. It's okay. Talk out loud. I just kind of want to break down some barriers tonight that maybe some of us have when it comes to this effective prayer life, especially in the time of a crisis. So how, how do we pray when a crisis is here? How do we break through that time? You listen to God and then you focus your attention on him focus on him you don't focus listen you don't focus on the crisis you focus on him and that's hard because I'm going to pray to him about what I'm going to talk about the crisis I'm going to talk about the problem the situation but yet my focus needs to be on who he is not the crisis I can cover that but focus on him and then the third step is this. We need to express our desires with emotion. Express our desires with emotion. When, when asking God for something that we're praying about, God, I need this, whether it's a physical need or a material need or a spiritual need or an emotional need, whatever we're asking God for in prayer, it's okay to express emotion. Actually, it's a good thing. Uh, so many of our prayers are just cut and dried. I mean, that's just how it is. Uh, we just say the words. We don't even know sometimes what the word means, but we heard somebody else sound like a big word, so I'm gonna use that word too because it must be effective. We have these little things we've memorized. <laughs> did, did anybody teach their kid, uh, now I lay me down to sleep, right? How's it go? I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Have you ever seen Tim Hawkins' take on that? Oh my gosh, it's so funny. If you've never watched Tim Hawkins, he's a Christian comedian. He is hilarious because he thinks, what, kind, what are we teaching our kids? He, so he goes, we teach him a prayer, that prayer, and we think it's a little kid prayer. And he goes, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul to take. Little four-year-olds praying that. You know, it's just funny. We, 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 it's just, it's just funny. Or we say, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment. <laughs> bless the gift and the giver. Yeah, see, we know these. Lord, lead, guide, and direct. Call them the LGD prayers. There's no emotion in those. 
No authenticity. It's just things we've, we've learned. Listen, I'm not saying those are bad necessarily. I'm saying that prayer should come from our hearts, from our desires, from our emotion, from us. If I don't speak that way, then why am I using King James language in my prayer? <laughs> why? It needs to be authentic. In fact, listen, God doesn't care how beautiful your prayers sound in the English language. As much as he cares the heart and the emotion behind the prayer. He cares more about us and about the crisis, about the need of us than he does about the words that are coming out. Listen, God just doesn't go, hey, love you. Is that what God does? Yeah, yeah, yeah love you. No, God loves us passionately, emotionally. God has a deep, 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 deep love for us. If you don't know how much God loves you, just look to the cross. God, the Father, sent his only begotten son, Jesus, willingly went to the cross to die for our sins and, and be broken for us and have his blood shed for us and rose again. I think God's passionate about us, don't you? And he wants that same passion for him. So don't, and I'm speaking to me, we shouldn't be flippant with our, prayer, our prayers, right? Rehearsed prayers. <laughs> oh, it's so difficult because when I break the rehearsed prayer and I, and I really focus and I listen to God and, and he's speaking to me through his word and, and he's speaking to me through the Holy Spirit and I'm, I'm in my prayer time, whatever that posture looks like at that time, and I'm just having this conversation where I'm listening and talking, I'm listening and I'm talking. Well, I tend to get and say the same things again and I think, gosh, I'm doing it again. And then I try to change it up some and, and do some different things and it just becomes new and fresh again. The Bible tells us that we're not to pray in vain repetition. <laughs> we're not to do that. That's why, uh, well, yeah, I got to be careful. Now I'm saying it. That's why I like having a prayer book in church and say turn to prayer 286 and everybody pray that same prayer over and over and over again. That's vain repetition. And, and, and we'll criticize that, but yet we will be doing the same thing in our own prayer time. It's almost a vain repetition kind of thing. The same thing over and over and over again. See, here's the third thing in verse three. Second part of that verse. Well, Daniel said, then I set my face to the Lord, right? He focused his attention on him to make request by prayer and supplication. Circle that word supplications. Supplication means earnest prayer, sincere prayer with emotion. It's not cut and dried. It's, it's more than a mundane request. I'm asking with emotion. I'm pleading with God. I'm searching with everything inside of me. I have my heart into it. I'm serious about it. That's what that word supplication means. Uh, I started with Ephesians 6, by all prayer and supplications, right? It, it, it means to go to God with that, that deep desire, Earnestly begging for something, right? It makes me remember the story I read a while back. Uh, there was a kid uh, who at Christmas time, he really wanted a Star Wars watch. That's what he wanted. Had Yoda on it. And he, he really wanted that. So he kept telling his mom and dad, hey, I want a Star Wars watch for Christmas. Every time he see his mom, Star Wars watch for Christmas. He'd tell dad, hey dad, you know what I want for Christmas? Yes, son, I know. And after a while, the dad got tired of it. And he looked at his little son, Johnny, and he said, Johnny, if you bring up that watch one more time, what's going to happen? You're not getting it. 
Don't bring it up again. Don't talk about that watch again. And Johnny, you know, he had sense enough. He backed off. A week later, the family's sitting at the dinner table and they're eating dinner. And the dad said, hey, let's just do this. Uh, we need to talk about the Bible. So everybody kind of share your favorite Bible verse, you know, to the kids. And so the first kid jumps in real quick because they're going to grab John 3:16 before anybody else does. You know, for God so loved the world and gave his only begotten son. So uh, he jumps in there with a teenager, you know, with the attitude and sits there and goes, uh, John 11:35." Um, yeah, Jesus wept. My favorite verse. Right, shortest verse in the Bible. So they're going around the table and it comes to Johnny. Johnny says, my favorite verse is Mark 7, uh, 13, 37. And the dad goes, what is that? Well, that's where Jesus said, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. That's what you get for putting your kid in faith kids ministry, right? I didn't mention the, the Star Wars watch. How do you pray in a crisis? First, we listen to God and we focus on God. And then we talk to God with some emotion. And then the fourth step is this, demonstrate our seriousness. We need to demonstrate our seriousness. When we're praying about something, we need to signal to God that we, need, we mean business. This is not just a little whim. It's not a casual thought. I didn't, this just didn't hit me, God. I'm really serious about what I'm coming to you with and, and what you're speaking to me about. You want to let God know how important it is, whatever you're praying about. Daniel, in the next part of the verse, he mentions three ways that he shows or signals to God that he's serious about this prayer request that he's coming to God with. Now, two of them our cultural customs, which we don't do in America, and, and, and I don't know that it's done anywhere in the world today. Uh, I looked it up, and I couldn't find a place, but there may be one remote place, so don't come up after me. I know a place that does it. Okay, thank you. But, you know, I don't know that anybody else does it in the world right now. But one of them is a spiritual discipline that's been going on for centuries. Look at verse 3 again. Daniel said, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplication with fasting sackcloth and ashes. Now, if you don't mind, underline that word fasting or circle it. Now, nobody does, again, the last two, right? Sackcloth and ashes. That was a, a custom that was done for hundreds and hundreds of years in the Middle East, uh, in the Orient. But Jesus said, fasting is very important when it comes to prayer. There are some miracles, there are some answers, there are some things that only come Jesus said, through fasting and prayer. Fasting says to God, I'm super, super serious about this, God. Right? I'm extremely serious, enough to go without food. That's how disciplined and serious I am about this prayer request, God. This crisis that's in my life, this thing I'm coming to you about, this thing that, that, that I'm facing right now that you're speaking to me about and I can see and your promises in the word of God. And God, I'm coming to you with this. And, and we're willing to give up food or something else. We're fasting for answered prayer. We're really serious about this thing with God. You know, you read through the scriptures, and I don't have time tonight, but we see fasting all throughout God's word. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. The Israelites fasted before they went into many of their major battles. Daniel fasted in order to get a a prayer answered. Nehemiah fasted before he began a major building project. Jesus fasted to have victory over temptation. The very first Christian fasted during their decision times. 
It's all throughout scriptures. We want an effective prayer life. We want a powerful prayer life. We want to be like Daniel. We want to be like Moses. We want to be like those early Christians. We want to be like Christ. They fasted in their lives. If we're going to pray about a serious prayer during a time of crisis, and we're going to demonstrate to God that we're serious about it, we have to include this step of fasting. It's an example Daniel set for us. Fasting demonstrates our seriousness about the request. And then the fifth thing our prayer must include is we need to thank God for his love and his promises. Now you know why I gave you notes. <laughs> so you could write all this down. Thank God for his love and his promises. The Bible says we're to ask, but listen, we're to ask with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not a holiday. If you're a believer, it's an attitude our entire life. We are to live with an attitude of gratitude. And the fifth thing Daniel does in his prayer is he reminds himself of how good God is, how gracious God has been, and how grateful he is to God. Look at verse four. It says, and I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him, with those who keep his commandments. And then look at verse nine. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. You just tell God, God, I am so thankful for what you've already done in my life. I'm thankful for what you're doing in my life. God, you're an awesome God. You're a merciful God. You're a loving God. God, I know I'm coming to you with this, this situation, this crisis, this request, and I'm serious about it, and, and we're having this conversation, and, and I want it to line up, and I know you're going to teach me something through it, right? All this thing that goes on, but we need to remember to be thankful <coughs> for who God is for his love and his promises during that, that prayer. And then lastly tonight, the sixth thing, is we humbly confess our sin. We need to humbly confess our sin. Now read this up on the screen with me. God does not listen to prideful complaining, but he does listen to humble confessing. God does not listen to prideful complaining, but he does listen to humble confessing. I don't have a lot of scripture to back that up, <laughs> but I do have this. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. God responds to humility. Now, some of you might think that if you admit your sins to God, right? I actually admit my sins to God, he's gonna punish you. You ever had that thought? Man, if I admit this, he's really going to get me. It's the wrong attitude. It's not a biblical attitude. If you say, God, I did this, and now he's going to get me, let me ask you a question. Does God already know our sins? <laughs> you think we're shocking him when we go and say, hey, God, I sinned? You think he's going, wow, missed that one. Did know that one. No, he's not. Listen, God knows every stupid thing you and I have already done. He knows every sin we've ever committed. He knows every sin we're going to commit. See, confessing to God, going humbly before God, it's more for us than it is for God. God already knows. It's, it's for our humility. How does God respond when I humbly admit that I have sinned against him, that I have absolutely blown it? Does he respond with punishment? No. He doesn't. When God hears us humbly come before him, 
and confess our sin to him. He responds with forgiveness and mercy and grace. Now, don't get me wrong. There's consequences for sin. But God doesn't respond with punishment. He responds with mercy and grace and forgiveness. What we reap because of that is on us, or so because of that. Look at verse 5. Daniel admits, we have sinned and committed iniquity. That takes humility. We have sinned and committed iniquity. This is the sixth part of praying in a crisis. We humbly confess that we've done wrong. And Daniel doesn't just stop there. He gets very, very specific. And we need to also, you don't just need to go, oh God, you know, forgive me for my sins today. No, we need to be more specific than that. We want an effective prayer life. We want, a, we want answered prayers in our life. We want to hear and see God answering prayer and, and taking us through a crisis and, and, and working in our lives. Then we need to be very specific with the sin in our life. Look at verse 5. <clears throat> Daniel writes and says, We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. What did they have? What had they done? They had sinned against God by departing from his precepts and his judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and in all Israel. Those near and those far off and all the countries to which you have driven them because, why? Because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Wow, David, Daniel did not hold back there, did he? And we shouldn't either. Now, I want you to go back in those verses, if you don't mind, and I want you to circle three things. In verse 5, circle rebelled. Rebelled. And then circle the word departing. And then the last one, circle the word heated or highlighted. Heated. Daniel is acknowledging that God's people have rebelled against him, have departed from his word, and have not heeded to God's instructions from his prophets, his teaching, his scriptures. And folks, when we rebel and depart and don't heed God, don't listen to God, don't communicate with God, don't follow God and his teaching, it always leads to sin. But it leads to an ineffective prayer life too because sin blocks our prayers. And then in verse 7, Daniel says, because of this, they were a shameful people. But look at verse 10. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. We walk to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants and the prophets. You told us what was right, God. You told us how we should live. You told us what to follow. You gave us the scriptures. We have not followed them. We have not heeded your teaching. We have not come through the clear, or followed through with the clear teaching of your word. He just admits it. He's confessing. He's, he's opening up to God. And what's the result of, of these things? What's the result of listening to God, focusing on him, expressing our prayer with emotion, demonstrating how serious we are about the prayer requests, thanking God and humbly approaching him. What's the result? Look at verse 20. 
Verse 20 says, now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Now, y'all know who Gabriel is, right? There's three archangels, three of them. One was Lucifer, he fell. (laughs) He sinned against God, he's now Satan. And then we have Michael and Gabriel. This is so important. God sends Gabriel to Daniel in a vision. And I love that it says, when you began your supplications, I got the command to go. But evidently it took him a while to get there. Daniel just continued to pray until he got that answer. Now listen, God doesn't have to send Gabriel to you and to me. Most of the time, he will speak to us through his written word, most of the time. Sometimes through the Holy Spirit, he'll just reveal things to us or tell us or speak to us or comfort us and what the Holy Spirit does. But I can tell you right now, and I'll be done. God has a very, very, very deep love for you and for me. God loves you very, 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 very much. And if you really think about it, God, God saw our birth, right? He was there when we were born. God has seen us grow. He's, he's seen all of our hurts. He's seen the happy times and the sad times. God has seen everything in our life. God has a plan for every one of us, and it's a great plan for us. That doesn't mean that we won't ever go through the hard times or the crisis, but God has a plan for every one of us in our life because he loves us that much. Now, you might be thinking, oh, wait a minute, Robbie. God is not talking. God's, this was Daniel. Daniel, Daniel just did this, and, and this is, no, this was very effective. It was a very effective way to pray. You and I are not Daniel, no doubt about it. But God has shown us some things in his word about how to have an effective prayer life and some things that maybe we've been missing. So I challenge you and challenge me tonight to look at these six things. Take these notes. And during my prayer time, uh, it's okay to keep your eyes open and read the notes to make sure you're including them in your prayer time. How do you pray in a crisis? First thing we need to do is get in his word and listen to him. Very first thing. And then focus on him. Not on the crisis. Not on the situation. Focus on God. Express our prayer with emotion. It's okay. Demonstrate how serious we are. Add fasting to to the prayer time. Thank God for who he is. And then make sure you go humbly before him. And I promise you this, we do those things, <laughs> he could revolutionize some of our prayer times and our prayer life. Now the fear now is to pray, right? We just talked about how to do it. Now we're gonna have a word of prayer and be dismissed. Volunteer. Father, we come tonight And I thank you for who you are. And I pray, I'm just going to take a moment for us just to be still and to listen. 
that you may have revealed something to us, challenged us with something about our time with you, about our time in the word of God, about maybe we don't listen like we should or we just haven't been real serious about our prayer life and we have situations that come up or maybe we're in a crisis right now. I don't know. But we haven't been getting the answers that we want or at least you haven't given us that comfort and strength that we're looking for during that time. So God, I just want to take a moment and be still. Speak to each one here tonight. God, help us to take these notes and the example Daniel set for us and, and understand that one of the best things we can do, one of the most powerful things we can do as a believer in Jesus Christ is have that personal relationship, that ongoing relationship, that healthy relationship with you, and that involves prayer. Help us to be a people of effective prayer. As you said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Help us to have that life in our prayer life. So God, as we go out of here, let us be on mission for you, especially in our prayer life, as we focused on it tonight and as we will for the next few Wednesday nights, just to, to go out and connect, to serve, to share, and remember to pray. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.